Hey Queens, welcome back to another episode of Queen Size Thoughts Podcast. Before we jump into this episode, make sure you are following us on all our social media platforms, Queen Size Thoughts on Facebook, Queen Size underscore thoughts on Instagram. Go ahead and show us some love, follow us. Keep up with what we got going on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for coming back this week and listening to this episode. If this is your first one, you are in for a treat. And make sure you go listen to some more episodes after this one. Either way, let's jump into it. Lego. Hey Queens, welcome back to another episode of Queen Size Thoughts. As usual, I am super excited to do another episode for you guys. Um and really just kind of let you guys in on some some things I think are really important for us to talk about. One, because I know I'm not alone in many of these topics I talk about every week. Um, but two, it's kind of fun to kind of say these things, you know, out loud and let other people hear them and kind of get your feedback on these ideas and thoughts and um, topics. So this week's topic for sure, is one that I think many people could identify with, especially, um, I think everyone can identify with this topic and maybe have experienced moments of um, this specific thing. Um, but I know for sure, you know, people within, um, uh, people who are, who are of, who, may, who are a minority, um, may have experienced this um, multiple times throughout their life or could be currently experiencing this right now. And that is imposter syndrome. Um, I'm not sure if everyone knows what imposter syndrome is. Um, So I'm definitely going to jump into what is imposter syndrome and how and talk a little bit about how uh, if we don't identify what that is when we're in those moments that we can find ourselves not excelling in ways that we should. Um, imposter syndrome is one of those things that definitely slows us down um, in our our careers and different things like that, um, even before careers in school and many things like that, that, that stops us from excelling. Um, so what is imposter syndrome first? I'm going to definitely define it. The um, imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. Um, the best way to put imposter syndrome in my words, um, is that imposter syndrome is this feeling of feeling like you do not belong or, um, you don't belong in a environment or you're, you're, you feel completely out of place. Um, and although, you know, you may have gotten into that school or gotten that job or, um, are supposed to be at this event or something like that, you have this overwhelming feeling of though, um, you don't belong there because for some reason you don't feel like you, you maybe measure up to the people around you, or you don't know as much as the people around you or, you know, you just don't feel like you belong t- to be there. And so imposter syndrome kind of makes you feel like an imposter as if you're, you know, you're pretending not necessarily. Pre- yeah, like, you know, it, eventually somebody's going to catch on and realize that you shouldn't be there or that you you aren't necessarily a fit or something like that. Um, That's the way I see imposter syndrome. I, I'm sure there's probably a better way to explain what imposter syndrome is. But um, for me, the easiest kind of way to explain to you guys, you know, what imposter syndrome is and how important it is to identify that feeling and uh, overcome that, that, that feeling 
um, for your overall success um, is to definitely talk about a time when I felt like um, I, I know for a fact I experienced imposter syndrome. Um, so most people, uh, especially p- people of color um, who um, go to college or um, go into a college classroom, a lot of times in most of the time I talk to people about imposter syndrome, generally people who are in those experiences of this is their first time in college or um, they decide to go into a, a college classroom full of people who don't look like them or they came from a neighborhood of people who normally generally don't go to college and maybe they're the first generation um, college students. So they don't necessarily have um, friends or family kind of talk about that experience with um, or people who uh you know, join a, a club or an organization or whatever. And these people have been in doing this for a long time. So you're extremely new to it. So you feel out of place. Um, but I can still remember, I never, re- I never experienced imposter syndrome throughout high school. I did not experience it in college. Um, I actually, you know, went to a predominantly, well, I went to an HBCU first and then I transferred to a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution. And um, I graduated from a PWI. And although I did the transitions between those two places, never in those moments, ever in a college classroom or anything like that, did I ever feel um, like an imposter. Um uh, I was a little, when it came to uh, feeling smart or being smart or, 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 you know, feeling like you should be at college, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little cocky. I always felt like I should have been at college. College was the place for me because even in high school, I excelled. Um, I was one of the smart kids, I actually graduated top 10% of my class from high school. So when I got to college, um, I definitely had moments in college where I felt like, you know, were, were harder than others in, in, in certain classes. But I felt like that was normal for all college students. I felt like all college students, regardless of anything, struggled with certain classes because certain classes were, were hard. So when I got into college um, and it, through my professors and all that kind of stuff, I didn't experience uh imposter syndrome. I can't think of a time where I felt like an imposter while I was actually in college. It wasn't until I actually um, graduated college and got my first entry level job is where I felt imposter syndrome. Um, And to be honest, that was my my first experience that I can identify and I can remember that I had. Um, And because of this one experience, it definitely changed the course of how I interacted as a professional within my field. It also um, changed the course of my experiences as a person, to be honest. It it made me uh, uh, be more aware of, um, you know, just my environment um, and the people I interacted with. And to be honest, after my first experience, my entry level experience of imposter syndrome, um, which was created, that feeling for me was created by another person, which is how I ended up being introduced to it. Um, You know, I continue to I continue to deal with um, that feeling of feeling like an imposter within my field. Um, to this day, different moments as I excel throughout my career and I advance. Um, when I get into something new, I, I start to feel like an imposter. Um, and, and a lot of it stems from this one experience in an entry level position. And but the difference is now I, when I have that feeling, um, I, I have the skills and the ability to say to myself, look, you're tripping. It's not what you think. But first, I got to tell you about my first experience with imposter syndrome and what made made me um feel that and and start to deal with that idea. Um, So um, the first time I felt imposter syndrome, and this was before I I literally called it that. So of course, during this time, I didn't realize that was what I was feeling is I got my first entry level 
job after um, college. So when I graduated college, I immediately went into a into the higher ed field and I got a position as a recruiter. Um, and so my job first out of college, my int- first entry level job was recruiting high school students from, you know, st- recruiting students in general from high school, particularly most of them were from high school, um, some from community college to to college. So my job was to get out there um, and travel throughout the state and tell students, you know, the importance of going to college and coming to college and why the university that I worked for um, was the one that they should they should attend. So and I, I absolutely loved that that job. But before I actually got into the um the job in a full in full, it's important to note that I did that throughout college too. So in, in college as a student, I was actually like a student worker um in um that type of department where I got to kind of talk to high school students and tell them why they should come to college and be a student at the college like I was a student at the college because of these experiences so I really came into this job this entry-level job already having the experience of doing the job it's just that the difference of responsibility the level in which I would reach and how far I had to go out to do that job changed of course getting into the entry-level job it came with more responsibility and different things like that and of course it came with benefits and a salary and all that good stuff whereas a student worker I was making seven dollars and 25 cents an hour right so um, I was super nervous going into the job, you know, like any other person. It's my first actual job with a salary straight out of college. I maybe had been out of college a month um, before I started the position. Um, I interviewed for the job, like like literally walked across the stage, interviewed for the job um, and all that kind of stuff. And I got the job. So. You know, I was on cloud nine going into this position because I was like, hey, you know, it's my first um, job out of college. I had no intentions on going into higher education as my my career. Um, at that time, when I got the job, I had no intentions on staying in the field. I, You know, I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to get out of college and start making some money. I, I kind of felt like the job kind of fell into my lap, you know, so it was like I, I get to have a you know a good time, fun. I get to, you know, be on the road and, and um, travel and. And, um, you know, talk to students about why college was so important. And for me, getting that job was important because I felt like college had changed my life. You know, it was the reason why I was able to excel um, and feel so confident and sure about, you know, who I was at that time because I did so well in college. I was super active in college. I was in a lot of things. You know, I joined a sorority. I Like I told you, I was a student worker. And so I, I was able to meet with prospective students about why they should come to college as a student. I got to tell them about my experiences. Um, I also, you know, was a part of like our campus activities board and and helped plan events for the um, college campus and different things like that. Um, So I was extremely active on my college campus. And so a lot of that experience for me made me extremely qualified for a job in recruiting to talking to students about coming to college because I was a well-rounded college student. And to me, a, a recruiter, someone who goes to high schools and tells students they should go to college has to be, has to come from a student who, uh, you know, a quote unquote professional college student, meaning someone who excelled really well in, 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 in college. That's really the experience that you need to be a recruiter. Um, so got into the position, um, got hired and within my first a couple like week or so in the job. I don't know if it was a full week. I experienced this. I this um 
this feeling. And so let me tell you a little bit about it because, and I, to be honest, I have never shared this story really out loud to a lot of people. I've told some of my mentors um, and, and during the time when I experienced this, I talked um you know, to my supervisor about it at the time, because I really needed to. Um, and I talked to some other, uh, um, to my mentor about it. And, um, and I've told the story to, um, some of my friends since then, but I, I, I never really shared it, shared it in depth. So I'm definitely going to talk about it. So when I first got into the position, I came in, I remember being super excited walking into my, my, my job for the first time. I was super excited about having my own desk and my own, you know, uh, phone and my own computer, my own office. So I, I started the job with my own office and I felt like a, like a big girl, you know, like I was all grown up. And, um, when I got into the position, one of my colleagues at the time, when I, you know, first got hired, um, one of the young, one of the young ladies who was in the position who had been doing the job before I was, of course, if you know anything about higher ed and working in, um, this type of position, there are more people who, uh, do the job with you. So what happens is there are a lot of, like, there's a lot of recruiters and all of those recruiters take part or are assigned to different areas throughout the state, throughout the country. Um, and it's their job to recruit high school students from those different areas to the school, um, and promote the school. So everyone gets a different territory. Um, and so one of the young ladies who was assigned a territory, she had, while I had trans was starting to transition in, I had just got hired. She actually had interviewed for a different position within a department. Um, and she was, um, in the process of transitioning from being a recruiter into a different position. Um, and so one of the things about uh, that transition is I worked at that time in the department. Um, there were like really new cars. Um, the We all got assigned like a work, oh, an employee, a car, a university car. Um, that's how the best way to explain it. And um, you would drive the cars to get to your schools and different things like that to recruit the high school students. So everyone is assigned a car. You get a car, you drive your car. At this time, the university was transitioning between cars, meaning um, they were purchasing newer cars. It was time to buy new cars for the recruiters because those cars hit the road. They, they, they rack up a lot of miles because you drive them throughout the state um, and many times out of state if, you know, it's close enough. And so um, like most in um, businesses and, and jobs, you get to a point where you have to transition the cars. So you got to buy new ones to replace the old ones and all of that kind of stuff. And so at this time, when I first got into the position, um, the university, it, they buy the cars in, in, um, in segments. So you don't, they, just, they don't buy a whole fleet of cars at one time and just say, Oh, we got all these million new cars. Um, so at that time they had two new cars and there was an older car. Um, and there were some other cars, but particularly for this department, there was two new cars and an older car. And so coming into the position, um, the unwritten rule within the office was that the new person gets the older car. Um, and so the veteran recruiters, they will get the new cars. And as um, veteran recruiters would transition out, um, the new recruiter eventually becomes the veteran. Of course, you will get into that newer car and then that the older car will go to whoever the new person was. So luckily, <laughs> when I was coming into the position, and this person was transitioning, I was only in, well, I, in my head, I was only supposed to be in the older car for a little bit of time because I knew once this um, person transitioned out of their their position into a new position, I would then get their, um, the newer car. Um, 
And so I'm, I remember be, being super, super, super excited about the fact that I finally get, got to drive one of the new cars um, to recruit in. I was super excited about this. Mind you guys, I'm 22, 23, and the, new, the newer cars at this time, were, they were starting to get um, like graphics of the university on them. So I thought it was really cool that I finally got to drive a car that had the school's name on it. Um, and, you know, people, when I drove it, people would know what school I was with. And I was just super proud of being able to drive this car like a, a moving billboard right and because the old car I was in it didn't have that so y'all I'm super excited about it so I remember it was time for me to go on the road and the the um colleague that was transitioning into a new position she was done recruiting at that time so she no longer you know needed to utilize that the newer car um and at that I remember on the that week I was planning for my first trip to go um on like a two I was gonna be away from the office for like a week and a half, two weeks straight. So I wasn't going to come back to the office or back to the, the school into my office any. I was going to be remote for like two weeks because I had to travel um, pretty far for my recruitment gigs that I had lined up for that, that upcoming week. So I remember thinking, hey, finally, you know, I can go ahead and get this newer car and transition all of my material. We had boxes and boxes of material you had to take with you. And so I was like, I can transition all of my material out of the old car into the new car. And I could take the new car with me for those two weeks, because at that point it was technically mine to use because I was the now veteran recruiter and the new recruiter that they were hiring for to fill her position that she was transitioning out hadn't wouldn't start until you know maybe like I think it was almost like that that person would start a, a full month after I would um so at that point when I came, so if when I came back from my two week time away whatever I would come back to the office to a new co-worker um so um, I remember, so I remember going to, to the, the girl and, and mind you, um, I, it's super important. Many times I, I'm going to describe her. So the colleague was a white female, um, a white female. She was maybe a couple, she's a couple years older than me, not by much, um, but definitely older than I am. So definitely have been in the field a little bit longer than me. Um, of course, and working in the position, um, maybe by like three, four years. Okay. About maybe three, four years older than me, more, maybe five at the most years older than me. Um, and including, and then the experience within the job. So I remember going to her so bright eyed, bushy tail. And I was like, hey, um, you know, I, I go on the road. I know that you're, you know, trying to pack up the car and clean out the car and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so you can transition into your new position. Mind you, she was not leaving the department. She was not leaving the university. She wasn't doing any of those kind of things. She was actually just transitioning into a, a new position. And I remember saying, hey, um, you know, I know you're transitioning, super excited for you. I was wondering, do you think you'll have the car cleaned out, um, you know, by, let's say, Friday, Thursday or Friday or whatever, because I plan to hit the road and I'll be gone for a week, two weeks um, at a time. And I kind of want to just take the new car. Um, I'm super excited about taking a new car. So I want to just transition um, and get those keys from you um you know early so go ahead and get those keys from you since you're not you know not going to use the car anymore you're done recruiting at this time so I can you know wrap it wrap up this uh this semester and finish out the recruiting and she looked at me and she was like you want to take you want my car and I was like well you know technically you know since you are transitioning out and you're done recruiting you don't need the car anymore and um and I was like you know I thought you know once the 
there's a new person hired, the new person gets the car that I'm in and um, I get the, 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 the newer car. And so I want to go ahead and get the newer car, you know, so I can take it on the road. So, cause by the time I come back and all of that kind of stuff, the new person will be here and they, you know, should have their car that they're going to use. So it's super important to know. So the, the, the young, it's super important to understand how this made me feel like an imposter. So the woman I'm, I'm talking to, she's a white woman, a young white woman. The new employee that is scheduled to start has not started, hasn't even really, I don't even know where she is in the paperwork process, um, but I know she's, there, there's a new employee who's going to be hired. Um, she was, she, she's a white woman as well, a young white woman as well. Mind you, we're all young in this field. Everyone, you know, at this time are super young, super young. Um, and so she's like, oh, okay, well, I just thought the person who they're hiring for my position, mind you, y'all, this person has not started yet has not started one they have not started two they're new meaning uh, technically based on the rules that they told me when I first got there as a recruiter is that the new recruiter gets the old car they told me that I didn't tell myself that so she was like oh I thought I was actually gonna give the car to the new um, um girl who's gonna take my place when she gets here um so you want the car and I was like well I thought y'all said that the new recruiter always gets the older car and that the veteran recruiter would get the newer cars isn't that how it always have worked and she was like oh yeah but technically you know you have you're you're still new too um you haven't really been here that long so I just figured that you would just keep your car and she would get the the other car mind you I'm saying literally saying she in the story but in this moment we really say she because we don't even know this person's name who is being hired like literally that is the process that they're in at this time so I'm like uh no I definitely want to take that car and she was like I'm just going to be honest I, I definitely think the girl the girl who is going to be hired should keep the car um you know mainly because you know the kids in your area they're just not used to seeing a car like this um and I think the car that you drive fits fits better and I was like huh the people in my area is not used to seeing a car like that and it fits better it fits better in the area that she recruit recruited in and so immediately I was like huh that's weird that you say that it made me feel a certain kind of way so I remember walking away from the office didn't I kind of left the key part alone because immediately I felt really, really, really weird. And that was the very moment I started to feel like an imposter. I felt in that moment, I felt like I started to have these questions like, huh, was I hired because I'm black? And mind you, the area guys that I recruited in was predominantly, um, uh, it was a predominantly a minority area, um, a lot of black students um, and, and students from low socioeconomic status. So not necessarily just uh, black people, but the areas that I recruited were really poor areas. So um, a lot of the students were African-American or, or minority or or parents or came from homes of parents that didn't have a lot of money, regardless of race, the, this, the areas that I recorded. Now, some of the areas within the area I recorded, they had money, of course. So not the whole area I recruited in was, um, you know, low socioeconomic status, but majority of my area I recruited in fell into that category. Um, and, um, uh, and I was the only person 
of color that uh, was a recruiter at that time. And so immediately when she said that to me, I started to feel like, dang, man, did they hire me just because I'm black? Like I immediately felt like that. And I was like, is that why I recruit the area that I recruit? Like, is it because um, I'm black? Um, And is it because I think that I, I, you know, that's the area I should be in. Like I, and, and mind you, the area that she recruited in was, you know, nice middle-class area, that area, predominantly those people, the people within that area, they had money. So regardless of, again, um, um, anything those, that, that it, it had more of the high school she recruited. Um, they had more white students and the, the area was more areas of, of families who had a little more money. Um, not necessarily rich. Um, she did have some of the, the high schools of students whose parents did have definitely had money. Um, but middle-class students, parent families, middle-class different things like that. Um, but mind you, the institution at the time that I was working for it, it the, most of the students that came to um, the university were first generation students, regardless of like money. A lot of them were their first times um, in, in first generation in college. But the area she recruited for sure, um, the families within those areas had a little bit more money than the, the, the average family in the areas in which I recruited from. And so immediately I started to think, ah, uh, so I did they hire me because I'm black one. And then if that's the reason why they hired me, am I really good enough to do this job? Like, I remember feeling so out of place after hearing her say that. And I remember I didn't even ask her for those keys again at that moment. I remember going to my office and kind of having a moment and not wanting to believe that was the experience I was having at that moment. So I kind of shook it off and I was like, no, that's not what she means. She can't mean that. Mm-mm, she cannot possibly mean that like that can't be it that can't be it that can't be it but that day she never brought me those keys and so I remember the next day I remember I got on the phone with one of my mentors mind you my mentor had you know worked in that office before had been at that that um institution before and she had transitioned out and I remember calling her and saying hey this happened and this was what was said to me um and I don't really know what to do with it and she was like yeah definitely what you're feeling is what it is um and and she was like I'm really not shocked at that experience that you had she was like unfortunately she's like I hate that you had to be introduced to this uh type of feeling and experience um and you know may and she actually gave it the benefit of the doubt she's like maybe she didn't in her head purposely mean to say it that way um but the way it was said and the way that it comes off how what you take from it is exactly what I would have taken from it as well um and so I was like so now what do I do because I felt like I was so new to the position I didn't want to rough any feathers I would have to work with this person um you know continuously I would have to work with them um because they you know they were transitioning out of their position but not out of the institution as a whole and I remember thinking you know, I'm brand spanking new. I'm the new kid on the block. I don't want to, you know, go talk to anybody who worked in that department and tell them about somebody they've already, they've known for some time now. And I'm the new kid on the block coming in. And here I come with this, um, this moment of like, hey, I think, you know, I might have experienced a little bit of a, some a microaggression or something. Like, I think I might be 
experiencing something here. Like I didn't even know how to have that conversation. I'm fresh out of college. I'm so new to the field. I don't know how to firm, form the words or navigate that level of um, discomfort at that time. Um, and so I remember, you know, sitting and I asked her for those keys, like, I had a whole week before I needed to leave and pack that car and go for those two weeks. So I remember going back to work the next day and I remember sitting in meetings that next day and just instantly I was so I remember feeling so defeated going into that office the first time I felt like superwoman like I meant for this job I can do this job I was picked because I had the experience I you know I speak well I I, I connect with people in a way that's undeniable you know I'm 23 years old so I'm at that point I think I'm invincible you know I'm young you can't tell me anything I'm creative I'm the new kid on the block and I remember after that experience with her I remember going into all of our meetings and and not talking that week I remember feeling like I was out of place I felt like everyone in the room knew um, and mind you, I still had to go to these meetings with her. I remember everyone in there. I feel like everyone in the room knew a secret that I didn't know. I feel like everyone knew that the only reason why I was hired is so that I could connect with um, people who they assumed that I should be able to connect with because of what I look like and what because of what a lot of the people in that area that I was recruiting in look like. And so I remember having these feelings and I had made this assumption like everyone thinks this. They have to. Everyone must think it because why would why would that be said to me? And um um and I just remember feeling super defeated, super defeated and so like so much like an imposter. I felt like I couldn't give examples anymore. I felt like I, I didn't have a right to kind of talk about good ideas or things I could implement or things I was excited about. I just remember being really defeated and never before in my life had I walked into a room you know, at that time, walked into a space that I was so excited about being and feeling like I should not be there. Um, and I struggled with that, you know, for those those couple of days. And then I remember one of the other girls, and mind you, I, I, at this time, it was all all female recruitment team, but I was the only person of color. Um, so we were all women, um, which was really cool. Um and we we were all women my whole entire time I was in that position, which was a really great experience um, later. But during that time, at that moment, I was struggling with it. And I remember um, talking to ended up talking to another one of the colleagues in the office and. I was telling her, you know, how I was excited about, you know, going on to the work. I remember she called me to my office. She's like, hey, Marnie, come on in here. And this is a different, a different colleague. And this is one who's going to continue recruiting with me. Um, she was a white female as well, is a white female. I'm saying was like, but they, she was a, she is a white female as well. Um, and I remember she called me to the office and she was like, hey, Marnika, are you super excited about, um, you know, going out on the road? Um, uh, you know, next week, this is your first big trip where you'll be gone from the office for a long time. You know, are you ready to go? Do you have all your things, you know, everything packed up? Do you need any advice on like what to do, where to go? Da, da, da. Like she's giving me all, she's super excited. And I was like, um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited about going on the road. And I was like, but you know, I really thought I was going to be able to take one of the, you know, the newer cars with the um, logo on it um, and, um, and you know, drive that car because it has the, you know, the name of the school on it. And I was really excited about that. And I was like, I was like, but I don't think I'm going to be able to take it. And I remember she said, why not? Why won't, 
she's like, wait, I'm confused. Why wouldn't you, why? she was like, are you on my car? And I was like, no, 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 I don't want your car. I was trying to get one of the, the other car. I was like, the, the other new car, um, you know, since so-and-so doesn't need it anymore. Um, she's not recruiting right now. I was going to just take that car because technically I'm, you know, I made the joke. Technically I'm the new veteran. Um, I was like, I only been on job like two, three, two, three weeks, but I'm the new veteran. Right. And then I remember she laughed and she was like, that's funny. And I was like, what's so funny. She was like, the girl, the girl who, who, who initially told me that the people in the area that I recruited in aren't used to seeing a car, um, like that, the newer car, um, she was like, that's weird. That's probably why she called me and said that she was like, so-and-so called me and definitely said that you were trying to get one of the new cars. Um, and I remember she's like, and I had that conversation with her. I was like, you know, I was, I, I was confused as to why you would want a new car at that time, but you weren't saying you wanted the new car when you asked for it, you were saying you wanted to be able to get it and take it on the road when you leave. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's the empty car now. No one's using it. She was like, huh, that is not what I got from that conversation. And so in that moment, I felt even more like an imposter. I was like, so she called y'all? Now, I didn't say this to her, but in my head, I was like, so she didn't call the other recruiters to have a conversation about me asking for the newer car? Like, y'all, I was blown away. I was like, this is a real moment. So I felt even more out of place in that conversation. I was like, huh? I was like, yeah, no, no, no. I just wanted to get the car, you know, the car. Like, like I'm supposed to. Because remember, y'all said the new recruiter gets the car. The new recruiter starts in a couple weeks. So I was going to go ahead and transition out of the car that I'm in into the new car. Now, y'all, it should not be this big of a deal about a car, but it was literally this big of a deal. Um, and she was like, yeah, no, nah, that makes sense. Mind you, I, th- I think I need to describe the cars to y'all. So the car that I was driving be- as a new recruiter, this car didn't even have a CD player in it. Like it had a cassette, a cassette tape. That's how old this car was. Like in order to listen to music in the car from your phone or anything, you had to put the cassette tape into the tape player in the car. And then you would take the core, a cord that was attached to that cassette and plug it into your phone. And then your music could play from your phone on the cassette tape in the car. This car was, oh, I don't even know. I can't think of the, the brand of the car because uh, it, it was not a car that anyone I knew drove, but it was an older car. The car was older. It had no luxury uh, features to it. Luckily, the air, the AC worked uh, in it. Um, I believe, I really believe the windows was automatic, but I cannot promise you that that statement is true. Um, but the other, the newer cars, which had the, st- which is why that car didn't have no stickers on it, because I wouldn't have put stickers on it either, because <laughs> it was not a cute car. Um, but the other car, it was like, the other cars were like Ford Escapes. So they weren't like bougie, fancy cars. It's a Ford Escape, y'all, a Ford Escape. I think that's what it was, a Ford Escape, um, but they were newer, like little bitty SUV truck looking things, and they had nice interior brand spanking new. Mind you, the recruiters that were driving them at the time were the first recruiters to drive those cars, so they literally were new. Um, and so, yeah, I was trying to transition out of that older car into the to the newer car, like any other person. I, of course, I want to drive the newer car. It had Bluetooth. I could hook my car up to it, and it'd play music, like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it had Bluetooth, but I I think it had Bluetooth. But either way, I knew I didn't have to use a cassette, a cassette tape in it, um, and it had a CD player. I didn't I didn't have CDs at that time. I was still had music on my phone. I had transitioned to that that to that phase. We we were able to, but I can't. I think I did have to use an aux cord in that car too. But either way, it was newer. Um, and so 
I wanted that car. And I remember in that conversation with her and she was like, oh, that makes so much sense. She was like, yeah, you definitely should take the new car. She was like, um, yeah, that's how it works. You get the new car. She was like, yeah, it's weird. You're like the first veteran who's only get to get a car after three weeks because, you know, the transition just happened that way. But yeah, you should definitely get the car, not the new person coming in. That's not how it's always worked. And so I was like, huh? So her confirming that fact for me made me feel like, hey, everybody sat around and had this conversation about me wanting this car. And this person that I asked for the car from made it seem as though I was trying to stir the pot and create, you know, had created this narrative for me already amongst my other colleagues that I wasn't present for. And so it's like they had a group conversation about me and I wasn't there to even even kind of explain what I meant or, or what I was trying to do. So I felt even more like an imposter. Yeah, it was a really, really weird feeling. And so um, I was like, I went, remember, I went to go call my mentor again. And I, I was super, I, I even cried, y'all. I called my mentor and I was crying and I was just telling her about the experience, you know, what had just happened and the conversation I ended up having with one of the other girls. And she was telling me, you know, what happened and how she, yeah, I should definitely get the car. She was like, you know, and I remember the girl saying to me, you know, thanks for coming to have that conversation. She's like, I'm so glad we got to talk about this. She was like, because that makes so much sense. She was like, that is not. And she literally said, that is not the way it was explained to me. And her saying that let me know that she couldn't tell me really what the conversation was because of course her loyalty was with to the other colleague because they, they were friends and they had been in that office for a while together and had recruited together. And so her loyalty, of course, was to her friend. But at the same time, I feel like she had a moment of like, dang, that's jacked up. If that's really what you were trying to do, because that is not the message that was given to me. Um, and so I remember calling my mentor and kind of telling her about it and how it made me feel. And I remember crying about it. And she was like, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, I hate that this is an experience you're having. And mind you, my mentor was a, a black woman and I remember she is a black woman. Um, and she was like, I hate that you had to experience this. And she was like, but you know, this is a naked truth. It's, it's something that many of us deal with all the time. We deal with these super small moments that deal, you know, make these super small things that create really big moments in our lives and kind of change the way in which we look at things because someone decides to, you know, use run off at the mouth and, and, and utilize this privilege and all these kind of things to make you feel inferior. And she was like, but the first thing I'm going to tell you, like, this is not the first, unfortunately, this is not the last time you go, you are going to experience these type of things in the work world. She was like, this is not the first t last time you would have moments like this. Unfortunately, I wish I could tell you that this would be the only one, but it's not going to be. And she was like, so is what you do from this experience, what you take from this moment and how you handle it and what you do moving forward is going to help you to navigate this world but you're gonna have to navigate it because if you don't you will always feel like an imposter you will always feel like you don't belong and she was like and that's not a feeling or or a burden that you should have to carry around um on yourself don't make yourself feel that because it's not true and she was like you have to um realize who you are and understand that you are qualified for the job and that someone's words or that interaction with you doesn't define how you um, show up. It does not. Don't let that defeat you, because then if it if you if you let it defeat you, then everyone wins that's against you or, you know, the world wins, the society wins if you feel like you're not good enough, because then you will perform as if you aren't. I want you to take that energy and realize that you belong to be there. And she was like, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think you should go talk to your supervisor. 
just go and she was and I remember she was clear don't go in there to your supervisor and say anything about feeling like you've been discriminated against that was the advice she gave me um she's like don't go in there saying you feel discriminated don't go in there and say you know an uproar about the situation and what you're experiencing I want you to go in there and talk to your supervisor and just talk about you know you know when you go in there to talk about them your supervisor is going to ask you how things are going in the job you know because you're a new hire you know, he's going to want to know how things are going. And you, I know that you could use the words that you need to, to describe what is going on and get your point across, but be sure, be careful about, you know, what you say. You have to be careful. And mind you, this, my supervisor was a black man and she still was giving me this advice about, you know, he doesn't know you either. He knows, you know, these, the people that has been working with him for some time. So when you go into that room, you have to be careful because you don't want to ruffle feathers because you don't want to insinuate someone did something, um, or, you know, what you think they did. So I remember going into the office, Mind you, again, I'm y'all, I'm feeling like an imposter. I just feel like I don't belong. I'm defeated. I know my mentor is like speaking life into me and saying all these great things, but I'm like, uh, uh-uh, I just don't feel like I deserve to be here. So I remember going into my supervisor's office and sitting down and talking to him, you know, and he, again, like she said, he was like, Hey, how's it going? Are you enjoying the job? You know, you're new, you, you know, I'm so happy that you're here with us. You know, you have that experience about, you know, being a student um, and you can share that experience with these students. I'm super excited about it. You're finna hit the road. This is your first full week without any support going onto the world road and recruiting, you know, and you got this. And he's like talking. He's like, do you have everything you need? And I was like, yeah, I do have everything I need. And And when he said that, it opened up the door for me to have this conversation. I was like, yeah, I do have everything I need. I was like, but, you know. You know, the recruiters were telling me that, you know, when I first got here, you know, I got the car that I have because I was a new recruiter. And I remember he laughed. He was like, yes. And he had experience from being a recruiter at a different institution. He was like, yes, the new recruiter always gets the sucky car. And he was like, he was like, but you get a new car. He's like, you get the new car now, right? Because you, um you know, you're a three week veteran. He was like, you're now a veteran because we're filling this other new position. So you get to take the the car on the road, you know, pack it up. And I was like, yeah, I I thought that, but, um, no, he was like, he was like, yeah, but you should be getting the new car. And I was like, oh no, I didn't get the new car. Um, I was like, I I, I guess I was like, I figure I'm still the new kid on the block too. Even, even though, um, somebody else is coming into that position. Um, I wouldn't get the new car. Or whatever, because, you know, they were saying that I wouldn't get it because, you know, the person that 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 is being hired, um, that car, the area that they are recruiting is used to seeing that car. And so you guys will want to keep that car in that area. And I remember him stopping and he looked at me and he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, um, the, the person, who, the new person you're hiring, that area that that she recruits is used to seeing that type, that car. And so the car that I drive, she didn't go to that area. I, I should have to, you know, keep the car that I have and drive it in the area that I have. And he stopped and he looked at me and like, I think in his head, he knew like he was like, in that moment, he was like, yeah, something's happening here. Like he was looking at me and he was like, um, so a cars aren't assigned by area and who's in those areas. He was like, it's they're assigned by, veteran so who's ever been here the longest gets the newer car it's just a process of formula that many schools use and we just use to make sure we're fair about who gets the car he's like it has nothing to do with the area in which you recruit in and it has nothing to do with um 
who the person is, it has everything to do with just like how long you've been here. You just get the car if you've been here longer. And he was like, so I want to be, he was like, and I remember he looked at me. He was like, I want to be clear. You can recruit any area you want to recruit in and you can drive whichever car you want to drive. If you want the newer car, you get the newer car. And then he was like, do you want to change recruiting areas? I remember he asked me that and I was like, no, I'm cool with keeping my area. He was like, yeah. He was like, because I hired you to do the job. I believe you can do the job anywhere you go. And you can drive any car you want to do. I believe that you're going to be successful whichever area you go to. And he was like, and whatever car you drive, you're going to be fine. He was like, you you know, you really impressed me during your interview. And you really, you know, um, impressed me during your interview. You speak so well and so, you know, um, highly about um, this university and you know I think you're going to be a really big asset to our team and he was like and I'm super excited to see the things that you do when you hit the road and I and mind you I told you I'm a supervisor black man and I felt like in that moment based on the conversation I was having with him and he seen kind of how I was struggling to articulate I feel like he knew in that moment that I may have experienced something that was a little altering and defeating to, you know, the person that he had hired. And then I remember him saying to me, can I ask you something? And I was like, sure. And he was like, did someone tell you, you can't, you can't get that car. And I was, I remember thinking, should I be honest or should I, should I lie? And I looked at him and I was honest. I said, yeah, someone told me I couldn't drive that car literally because the people in the area that I recruit in aren't used to seeing a car like the new one they're used to seeing the car that I drive um the people in the area are used to seeing the car that I drive and mind y'all the car that I drove it was old it was not nice it, it wasn't fancy um it didn't have a logo on it so them being used to seeing that car literally meant nothing because it was just a car um it had no university logo on it or anything like that and um I remember saying that to him and I remember us having that moment. He looked at me and he was like, I'm going to tell you something. And of course, like, you know, one of the experiences that I've had by being a black woman um, and working within in, in the field and working around other um, minorities and people of color is that we have this unspoken, um, unfortunately, language of these um, experiences that we all have experienced in this 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 world um, of being minorities within um, these fields and different things like that and these experiences that I have and I remember him sharing his experience experience he had when he experienced those things and how um, that gave him the fire to do better and be better and and you know improve people wrong and I remember after having that conversation with him I remember leaving out of that office thinking hey, I'm going to be the best that I can be because um, I can do this job. I was hired for this job and I'm going to be the best at it. And I remember walking out of that room and being intentional about every interaction I had with every single person um, moving forward. I remember thinking, I don't want people to think that I was a, a hire because I was black and I fit the need for a certain area. Um, I also decided I didn't want to change areas because um you know, it was important to me that if I was going to be uh, used in my head, if I was going to be useful, I needed to be in the area that I was assigned to. I felt like that experience spoke to why it was so important for me to be able to go into these areas um, with people who 
a some of them look like me and for those who didn't look like me still could identify with me because their stories were similar i grew up um you know, in a single parent home, um, and we and we were definitely not the richest. I, I didn't come from a rich neighborhood. I was first generation, and so I felt like that area was given to me for. He didn't that not necessarily the university didn't assign me to that area because I was black. I truly don't believe that's how I ended up getting that area. Um, that's not why my supervisor. I don't believe that's why he put me in that area because um, he literally told me I could work any area I wanted to if I wanted to switch between the two because the both of the areas were open. Um, but I do believe that it was God's purpose to put me into that position um, because I was going to be able to be very purposeful um, on the road in that area with those people with those people in that area um, because we would be able to identify and connect and I'll be able to connect with those students in a way that maybe someone else who didn't look like me or didn't have the same experiences I did would be able to and to be quite honest that's exactly what happened I was super successful in that position um, I actually you know did that job for three whole three whole years um I was in that position and I drove that car with that logo on it <laughs> and um and I recruited that area for three whole years and I grew the area you know I made relationships with um the the, the counselors and, and different things throughout those high schools um to the point where today some of them still literally reach out to me and ask me can I speak to um their students at their high school uh and I have been out of that position now like for five years five years I have not recruited on on a road or anything like that I've been out of um that position uh that type of uh work uh for five years, I haven't done that, but there's still literally counselors in high schools that still um, reach out to me because of the relationships I built with them and how um, I was with the students in that area and how much I spoke life into those students and, and made them understand that college was a place that they could come and become whoever they wanted to be. Um, and so things that I had to do in order to overcome imposter syndrome. So if you're out there and you're dealing with that right now, you're in a place where um, you feel like an imposter or you feel like an imposter or, you know, you, you, you may be having moments of that. The most important thing, a com- couple things I definitely think are important for dealing with that is one, break the silence, you know, um, tell somebody, you know, talk to somebody about those feelings, someone you feel safe talking to about it. Um, tell them how y- you feel because you'll be surprised at people, um, how other people have felt those same feelings before and that and that you're not alone in those feelings and many times having those conversations with people in a safe place so definitely with someone you trust can allow you to feel free and also can allow you to saying it out loud will put more things in perspective and help you to realize that you're really not an imposter um that is just you know fear and life experiences and um outside influences trying to convince you that you aren't worthy or you shouldn't be where you are so definitely break that silence Two, um separate feelings from facts you know so when you look at the situation and and you're saying i'm an imposter i don't belong i feel out of place um or i feel stupid or i feel you know not equipped like everyone else around me um you need to realize that that is just a feeling and that 
what you're feeling is not necessarily real. It's not true. You're not stupid. Um, you do deserve to be there. Um, you, you're qualified. If you were hired for the job, then you deserve to have that job. You had the experience. Your resume said that you could do the job. You interviewed. You won. If you're a student and you're applying for college, you know, or you whatever, or internship or whatever it may be, you tell yourself, hey, I got accepted into this university. I get to sit in this classroom. It was me, me. I got me here. Um, so the feeling of not feeling like I belong here is not true. I absolutely belong where I am because if I didn't, I wouldn't have got in here. I wouldn't have made it this far. Um, so you have to recognize that those are just feelings and they are not fact. That feeling of imposter being an imposter is a feeling. It is not a fact. Um, and it is not a feeling that you have to, you know, identify with. You can definitely begin to change that. You know, how I always say speak things into existence, say it um, and tell yourself you have to tell yourself out loud so that you can, um, you know, correct that feeling. All right. Um, and then three, recognize that, of course, you don't know everything because you're new to it. You know, um, if you're, you know, one of the first women or minority in your your field or workplace or in the classroom or anything like that if you if you if you are if you you know it's just you or you and maybe one other person two other people it's natural to feel like you don't totally fit in because you're you unfortunately the way america is built and the way society is built is that for women and minorities many times in a workplace um not necessarily the college classroom because women you know we outnumber men in in the university setting in the college classroom by by more more women are in college than men for sure um um well i don't know if that fact is true but um um and when I was in college, it was more women in the college classroom than men. But um, in the workplace um, and different things like that, sometimes it's natural to feel like you don't fit in there, right? But instead of um, taking those moments and, and doubting yourself or looking around and saying, I'm the only one here, you know, as and, and, and kind of confirming this idea that you must be an imposter because I'm an outsider. Look, I don't look like any of these people, any of the people in this room, any of these people in this room, I don't, you know, identify with them. I'm a woman and they're all men. I'm black and they're all white or, you know, I'm Asian. I'm, uh, you know, Hispanic, I'm whatever. And they all look however they look. Um, you know, I think that it's a normal response to have that moment of feeling like an imposter because you stand out, but you need to then again, speak it into your life and say, I'm not an imposter. I belong here and more people who look like me belong here too, you know, and I deserve to be great. I'm not, I'm not a, 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 a high, I wasn't hired because I'm black, I'm black or I wasn't hired because I'm a woman. I was hired because I am qualified to do the job and I have the experience needed to be successful. Okay. And then always, you know, stay professional, um, and positive, you know, those feelings can make you feel like acting out. It can make you feel like you aren't heard. Um, you know, well, I guess I could say always stay positive and 
it can make you feel like you don't belong. But what's really important is that do your best, do do your very best, but do not overcompensate this idea of trying to be perfect. Because the last, you know, you don't want to be that person like, oh, I just got hired in this job, or I'm just doing this thing, and then I'm not only am I a woman, now you know, or I'm the only black person, I'm gonna make mistakes too. Oh my goodness, I don't, I cannot be the person that makes the mistakes because I'm going, my mistakes are going to be highlighted even more, right? You know, and so then you put this pressure on yourself that is so un realistic and hard to deal with because people make mistakes that's what they do and y'all know I'm a perfectionist so I struggle with this a lot but understand that you are doing your very best and forgive yourself when the inevitable happens because mistakes are inevitable you are going to make a mistake forgive yourself and don't say and don't connect your mistakes with feeling like or being an imposter because it's not true okay and then um of course pray about it um and you know talk to God about it and ask him for strength to get you through it um but visualize your success um you know see yourself being successful in that position and focus on you it's your hustle it's your time it's your job it's your you know moment in college it's your whatever whatever your you know whatever it is that you're in that you may be feeling this idea of feeling like an imposter um, visualize the success, visualize the finish line, the ultimate goal, and continue to strive for that goal, regardless of, you know, what is happening or what is making you feel that way. Be the best you that you can be and get you some mentors, get you some friends who understand, get you some, uh, some experiences, not, not experiences, but yeah, get you some mentors, connect with people. Um, I remember, you know, as I was on the road, um, recruiting. I met a lot of people on the road who are literally some of my closest friends till this day. We text, um, who I was able to connect with. And I remember telling some of them that story and that experience that I had. And I remember so many of them like, girl, the same thing happened to me. Um, or, you know, I've experienced that thing or this and that. And I realized that my experience wasn't just one of by myself, that other people also have felt those, felt those same things. And I'm going to be honest. The biggest thing I did during that time is that I didn't always feel confident when I when I was going through that moment of imposter syndrome, um, feeling like I didn't belong. But I faked it till I made it. And what I mean by that is I refused to allow anyone to see me feel defeated or feel like I didn't belong. I refused to walk into a room or or be present in 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 a in a, in a environment where people could see. And could read all over me that I felt like I didn't belong there. So every time I walked into the room, even in the moments where I didn't feel like I, I belonged there, or I shouldn't be there. I faked it until I made it. You know what I'm saying? I walked in confident, head held high. Um, and I remember I would every chance that I got, I would, you know, speak about things that I knew. I was an expert coming in new into that position because I had been doing it as a student. And many times, you know, people look at students when you transition from um, right out of college, they still see you as this young person, this young student, you know, age, this whole thing about age is a real thing. Um, And so I remember speaking up and, you know, saying the things that, you know, I knew because I, I, I had the experience. I knew what I was talking about. So I would be, I would fake it till I made it. And that 
the, the, the level of work I put into that position, the way in which I grew within that position, um, the way in which I grew the area I was cr- recruiting, I was increasing the numbers like crazy. I had more students um, coming from that area than ever before. So I was, you know, grabbing the attention of um, not just my supervisor, but my supervisor, supervisor, my supervisor, supervisor, you know what I'm saying? I was making a name for myself in that position. It got to the point where Think events will come up um, that weren't that didn't necessarily fall in any of our areas, and they would ask me, "Hey, Marnie, do you think you can go to this school and talk to these people, or at, talk to the, the kids at this school?" There's a council that reached out that really wants you to come, or uh, high school counselors and teachers would bring their students to the school and literally say, Hey, we seen uh, Marnika on the road. She actually came to um, an event we were at and uh, she was amazing. And it made me want, uh, I brought my kid up here to see her. Like it got to the point where parents and students and everyone else were speaking really highly of me. Um, and in through those experiences, I realized that I wasn't an, impo- an imposter. I was, I was, I was exactly where I, I should have been. And the way in which, my supervisor and um, other uh, people within the university celebrated those wins for me was super important and they recognized how successful I was. Um, those moments are the ones that I, I realized that I needed to look more into because it was more people saying good things. It was more people um, celebrating, you know, my accomplishments and um, encouraging me because um, mind you, that position I um applied for it because people who worked at the institution wanted me to apply for that job. So I, you know, got the position because there were people who believed in me and, and, and not all those people necessarily looked like me. Um, but they believed that I could do the job and they were so right. Um, I was super successful. I enjoyed those years, um, recruiting students. That is how I fell in love with the field of higher education. It is why I went and got a master's, um, in higher education. It is why, you know, I, you know, I ended up changing my course of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. Uh, it, it also, you know, that position helped me to realize that I had a voice and my voice had power. Um, I- hey, Queens, thanks again for listening to this episode. I can go on and on and on about imposter syndrome. Um, I have so many stories, unfortunately. I can tell you guys about experiences I've had um, dealing with imposter syndrome, something I still deal with today, honestly. I also got tons and tons of stories about um, situations where I've been in meeting rooms full of men and, you know, have felt like an imposter or have had experiences where people have stolen my ideas uh, and made me feel dumb about having those ideas when I, you know, introduced them to the world, but then turned around and took my same idea and presented it as their own. It's so many things, so many stories I can tell you about. And I actually might, you know, share some of those experiences later. I'm definitely let you guys know about those. But either way, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you guys got something out of it. Um, It was one of them ones, you know. Um, But as always, um, remember that no matter what you do, you're still a queen with or without a crown. And I will talk to you guys next week. Um, and thank you again for all of your support.